Hello and welcome back to our Fire Fergans podcast. Today we have John Mark Dyer sharing with us some practicals on sharing the gospel cross-culturally. We also have one of our long-termers sharing with the class how to share the gospel in shame power cultures. Let's jump right in. Okay, today is going to be really helpful, probably the most helpful of all the days, because we're going to get really specific about the people that you're going to visit. So we're going to talk about how the gospel gets contextualized to Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists. And to do that, we're going to do it in two parts. The f- this first part is with my friend. But as best as I can do, she, she moved somewhere around Somalia. Was it Somalia? No, it wasn't Somalia either, okay? Anyway, she moved someplace crazy, and she, like, gave her guts... And now she's got a team in Kenya. And if you want to just talk about somebody that has taken our DNA, the love for God, the love for another culture, and then beyond that chose like probably one of the most, like the more difficult and uncomfortable places for a a Westerner to live. She was like, yes to all of it because I just love God and he's told me to do this. And so you have a real hero in your midst. She uh, is like best buds with my dad, and they tag team all the time for all the apostello stuff and teaching about how to contextualize stuff and reach Muslims. And so um, let's give a big fire and fragrance welcome. Hey, guys. So you might have to turn my mic up. I'm usually one of the loudest people and speakers, but now I'm one of the most quiet. (laughs) Um, Yeah, as John Mark said, um, I'm headed to a, like, vocal specialist. I've got, like, vocal nodes, nodules, or something like that. So, yeah, I lose my voice really easily. But I'm so happy to be here today, and there's nothing else I'd rather like lose my voice for than to deposit whatever I can um, into you guys because it's such practical tools and practical knowledge and wisdom that you will take on outreach um, that in Jesus' name will bear fruit. Um, But yes, I've been working cross-culturally, lived in the nations for about seven out of the 10 years in full-time missions, mostly in Muslim world, in Jordan, and places in the Horn of Africa reaching Somalis. Um, So I'm just going to jump into this teaching. Um, She actually was with me for the last six months in Kenya as we were um, just plowing and setting the foundation for our base. We found our prayer room. We set it up. We furnished it. Um, we got jumped into language, figuring out language, visa, all those logistical things for our team that's launching in January. So she's a good friend of mine and um, burns for the Lord and burns for the nations too. So, um, all right, let's jump in. So sharing the gospel in different cultures. What I want to start with is that the gospel is so much wider than we think in the West and sin is so much broader than what we think. And so so who has heard of the different worldviews of like guilt, innocence, fear, power, and shame and honor? I know, Alyssa's the expert. You should be up here. (laughs) So some of you guys, not all of you guys. Okay, 
So um, we're going to start, we're going to jump into just understanding the different worldviews and what the gospel is, what the good news is to people in the nations that we're going to. Because the, the part that we highlight in the West where the worldview is very much guilt, innocence, even growing up. Um, in the West, whose parents said, this is right, this is wrong. No, that was wrong. Go sit in time out. That, think about what you did. Say sorry. You know, who grew up with that kind of parenting? I would say the majority of this room, right? And so the gospel that speaks to most people in the West is we fell short, you know? We've done bad things and we're quote unquote sinners and we need forgiveness for our sins but the God that's part of the gospel but not the entirety so we're going to go into kind of zooming out a bit so to start can you guys turn to Genesis 3 I hope this works okay yes could I get a volunteer can you guys read this okay could I get a volunteer to run up to the mic and read this passage for me? The first one to run up here can read it. <laughs> okay, I think, I think it's okay. So read the whole thing. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> okay. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took, some on, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Parentheses, shame. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God, and he was walking in the garden in the cool of day, and they hid, parentheses, fear, from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid, fear. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate guilt. Yeah. <laughs> What's your name? Hannah. Hannah, good job, Hannah. Thank you so much for helping. Um, so we can see that from the beginning, from the original fall, three curses or sins entered the world. And what are those three? Shame, fear, and guilt. And every single culture in the world struggles with um, one or two of these to differing um, degrees. So in the West, where most of us are from, the main one is probably guilt and feeling bad for the things you've done, feeling guilty. Um, 
in most of the places we're going to, it's going to be shame and fear. Actually, could I get a raise of hands? Raise your hand if you're going to the Muslim world, just so I could get an idea. Okay, raise your hand if you're going to Buddhist or Hindu world. Awesome. And raise your... <laughs> Raise your hand if you're going to the West or like America or Europe. Okay, so so small group there. Okay, awesome. So the vast the vast majority are going to the non-Western world, guys. If they're not a Christian background, chances are they don't have a big struggle with guilt. And I just want to share with you. Um, even a tiny part of my background and how I received Jesus and that it had nothing to do with forgiveness for sins. So I was raised in a Korean, um, Korean American household that was not Christian. My family was Buddhist and, um, it was a very abusive family, so I struggled with a lot of fear. And shame is a big thing in Asian culture, so I felt worthless. I felt like worse than the rubbish. <laughs> like, like I didn't even deserve to be alive, okay? That's how, sh how much shame and unworthiness I felt. And with the Muslim world, um, there's a word called like ebb, you know? And that's how parents um, discipline their children. And ebb means like, I'm sorry if I'm saying it wrong, Nathaniel, he's fluent in Arabic, but um, it basically means like shame, you know? So even when their kids are doing things, it's not this is right, this is wrong, it's shame, shame, stop shame, you know? And so that's a similar way that I was brought up. It wasn't, no, that's wrong, you know? Um, that's not what's right. Um, and so... I, I came to the Lord out of fear and also having that open door to the demonic realm. So I had nightmares like every single night of my childhood, I like tormenting nightmares. I literally saw um, demonic images and figures in the natural, like walking into my room, walking into my house. And I was terrified guys, it was like I was powerless to the demonic realm. I was powerless to an abusive parent. I was um, completely in shame and un in, in unworthiness and, and yeah, was suicidal from, from third grade, you know, and there was not a solution. So from people from that culture, what does the gospel need? If someone came to me and said, we all fall short, but there's forgiveness for sins. What would that mean to me in my childhood at the moment? I, I wasn't even taught that there was right and wrong. When I thought of bad people, it's the people in prison. Everyone makes mistakes, but I didn't feel like a sinner, but I was, so I didn't have guilt, but I was afraid and I was dealing with shame. Are you guys starting to track with me? And so um, when I encountered the Holy Spirit, it was a power encounter. And um, I heard, you know, um, someone sharing their testimony for the first time, how they were depressed and God met them um, and how they're, they have joy now. They feel love. They have peace. And I'm like, OK, that's great for them. I'm not sure about me. But the Lord um, fell on me and I literally was um, blinded for like four hours and I felt peace for the first time in my whole entire life. And I, um, the spirit of revelation came on me and revealed to me that God was real, God was good, God loved me, and I was going to live for him. And it was a supernatural revelation to my being <laughs> by the Holy Spirit. 
Um, whoops, I don't know what that is. It's okay. Um, and so after that moment, I came back home and I was completely transformed from being the, one of the most depressed people to one of the most joyful. And um, I had encountered God. Did I know he died for my sins? No. Um, but the, some of the first revelations I was getting was of his power and of him covering my shame. So the revelations I got of his power was um, I still was seeing the demonic realm at home and I was tormented. I literally would just try, try to close my eyes, but there was no escaping it. And the Holy Spirit um, whispered to my heart, and gave me revelation that demons tremble at the name of Jesus. And because the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, I have authority to um, say go in the name of Jesus. I have the authority to like plead the blood of Jesus. Uh, and that demons have to go. They don't have a choice. They tremble at the name of Jesus. And so um, every night when or every yeah, afternoon when I got home from school, I literally would go into every bathroom, every room, every hallway, and, and stand in my authority of Christ. He took me from powerlessness to power in the Holy Spirit now living inside of me. Guys, this was a huge part, maybe the main part of my salvation that brought me into the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, right? And so um, I would exercise my power in Jesus and say, every single spirit that is not of Jesus, get out in the name of Jesus and go into every single room. And guys, there were no more demons I were seeing because they had to leave. And even with my dreams and nightmares and, um, and then for shame, the, the verses that really spoke to me was, um, you know, that those that are in Christ, we are a new creation. The old has gone. Everything that happened to me is gone. And the new has come. We're a new person. And then things like um, he will put on us like um, a robe of righteousness, you know? He will anoint our head with oil. He'll put a crown on our head, a ring on our finger. Those things were mind-blowing that even, you know, your parents who are supposed to love you, and I know in a room this big, there's a handful that come from very broken households as well. But even if your mother and father forsake you, the Lord receive you. And that he puts this crown on your head and ring on your finger, that speaks to the shame of the people that we're going to serve. Are you guys tracking? So, um, so yeah, the three curses or sins that entered the world are shame, fear, and guilt. So let's um, just recap of what is the gospel um, to someone that's stuck in shame, to someone that is bound with fear, and then to someone who is bound by guilt. Um, so can I have, oh, I'm not sure how to, can you guys see it okay? No. Is the screen okay? No. I'm not sure how to address that. Let me read it out loud, okay? So shame and honor. God takes us from being covered in shame, having no self-worth, feeling like the scum of the earth, and the God of the universe, the creator, the holy creator, gives us a new name. He makes us a new creation. Then he goes even further to call us sons and daughters. So the gospel is so much more than just this, but I'm just giving you an idea of what the gospel is to someone coming um, out of shame, okay? Um, let's move to what it is to someone 
um, struggling with fear. Can I have someone with a loud voice read um, that second section for me? Maybe someone from the front row. God takes us from being powerless to the spiritual world, being haunted, afraid of demons, of death, of sickness, of man, etc. And then Christ's death, the victory over death, ha has given us his power and his spirit now lives inside of us. The same power that raised him from the dead lives in us. And at his name, demons flee and tremble. And then one more volunteer to read the last one of guilt to innocence. God sees us in our imperfection. He sees and knows all the bad things we have done and knows that we all fall short of his glory. He forgives us when we repent and by his blood, we can stand before God innocent and forgiven. Isn't the gospel beautiful that it literally has an answer and has a redemptive storyline for people from every culture? And so, yeah, the just reiterating the cultures we're going to, and um, maybe, you know, Mark, who's John Mark's dad, has worked with Muslims 25-plus years. And Muslims don't, even if they do bad things, they don't feel like a sinner. We are bringing people from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. If they're not struggling with guilt, why do we want to put that on them? You know, why do we want to say, you are a sinner, though. You are. You've done all these bad things. You're a sinner. You need to realize you're a sinner. But they are struggling with shame and fear, you know? And I remember, just to really um, make it so clear, I remember um, after I was a believer for three years and I was on fire, like, life transformed living in the kingdom and I went to a Christian college and um, someone was telling me um, was kind of pointing out to me Nicole you always are talking about his power and being loved but did you know that you're a sinner like you're actually a sinner and you fall short of the glory of God and I'm like oh my gosh like am I saved I've never felt this guilt in my life in this American person or I'm American, but you know, like Western American race in that way, was telling to me, like, you need to pray. Like, you need to feel that guilt of being a sinner. And I literally, guys, in college, I was praying, like, God, like, help me feel the guilt for my shortcomings and sin, but I literally couldn't feel it because that's not how I was raised. That's not the worldview that I grew up in. And so, yeah, it's sometimes hard to believe when so much in the West, especially the Western church and how they train us for evangelism is, you know, five finger gospel, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But Jesus came, you know, to die for our sins and all our wrongdoing. You need to ask for forgiveness for your sins and he will forgive you. And then you will be innocent because his blood covers and then you'll be in the kingdom. Like, you know, it's so much geared toward that. So, um, yeah, I just want to encourage you guys to, um, as we go out to minister to their felt gospel needs, okay? Um, so little tips on sharing to their felt needs. Using fear, shame, fear, power, or shame, honor stories in the Bible 
and also adapting our story to speak to their hearts, bringing more of an emphasis on overcoming shame and fear. So I love, um, I wish um, Mark Dyer was here to share because um, he does this so well and I don't think he'd mind for me to use his, his story as an example. But he was um, trying to reach out to Muslims in Chicago and he would go to the mosque and he would share his story that was kind of from a Western individualistic mindset of, you know, I grew up and I didn't have purpose. I didn't know what my purpose was. I always, you know, um, I actually felt really depressed at times. I even wanted to, you know, in teenage years, even wanted to kill myself. But then, you you know, God, you know, spoke to me that there was a purpose for my life. And as he was sharing his story, um, the Muslims were so unengaged. And they were like, okay, okay, you know, kind of not, um, it wasn't speaking to their hearts. And Mark was like, what can I do to, to, to get to the hearts of these people? And the Holy Spirit gave him th this revelation of what we're talking about, of that fear power paradigm. And so, Mark um, went back to the mosque, and then he reframed or re-contextualized um, his story to what might speak to their hearts more. So he went and said, when I was younger, because, you know, in, in Muslim culture, they believe that a little angel sits on one shoulder and a little demon sits on one shoulder, and they speak to you lies, okay? So Mark said, when I was younger, I would hear these voices in my head. You're contextualizing, right? We all have struggled with lies, but you're contextualizing it in a language that they'll understand. And they would say, like, Mark, you're stupid. Mark, you're no good. Mark, you should might as well just go kill yourself, end your life. Nobody would care, you know? And then the Muslim men, when he was sharing his story in this way, they were leaning in. And one of the guys said, we hear those voices too. And then Mark said, you know, there's power in the name of Jesus. That when you speak his name, all those voices have to be silenced. And they were, their eyes were wide and they were leaning in, you know? So I just encourage you guys um, to work on trying to contextualize your story in a language that will speak to their fear and will speak to their shame. Um, and also, we're going to go into this in just a minute, but um, Mark, the, the, not the person, the book <laughs> of Mark in the Bible, Chapters four and five is filled with fear power stories. So I encourage you, especially if you're going to like Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu world, read some of those stories and get familiar. And the second part, it sounds like you guys touched on this, was um, sometimes we could go in with a passionate, zealous agenda, five-finger gospel, get them saved in the moment right in front of us. But guys, if they're struggling with shame and maybe no one's ever listened to them and taken the time to hear um, what is on their heart, what they're struggling with, let's come in honoring and listening, asking questions and literally just walking low and slow in love. And often when we're reaching out, if we take time to listen and not speak first, and we're having one ear open to Holy Spirit and one ear open to them, the Holy Spirit will give us revelation on what to share as we discover their 
God need, their felt need in their heart as we listen. Um, and Bill Johnson says this, but I love, um, I love this, of being a walking love encounter with God. Okay? Let's, like, love them to life. Let's, if they're sick, we pray for healing, and prayer is so accepted in the Muslim world. It's, we are a prayer people reaching a prayer people. And so always ask to pray. Um, and then, yeah, Nathaniel will go into in the breakout group. But they love Jesus. Muslims all know the name of Jesus, and they all love him if they say, if you ask them, who's your second favorite prophet? 99% will say Jesus. <laughs> you know, they love him. Um, they're just missing the revelation that he's God. And, um, and the Holy Spirit brings that revelation, too. And I just want to go back to this. Don't forget to remember that you're co-laboring and partnering with the Holy Spirit and never forget the power of prayer. Every single Muslim I've seen come to the Lord, it's been through inviting people to pray and through dreams and visions and the Lord miraculously intervening. And um, yeah, so never forget to just pray and trust the Holy Spirit and know that you're co-laboring with him. Okay, so for a practical um, takeaway, I'm going to have um, Shu come up, and you guys are going to memorize the story of Mark 4, 35 to 40, and then she'll give you some instructions on that. And I just want to say, like, I had to memorize this story in my School of Frontier Missions um, but when I was being launched to the mission field. And it seems a little bit like tedious and you could do other things with your time but memorize the story. But guys, I have used this in the Muslim world. It's a story of Jesus calming the storm. I've used this in the Muslim world, I think 200 plus times. And every single time it speaks to their hearts because Jesus has power over the natural, power over nature. And and he has power to calm the storm inside of us. He has, you know, like even if they're not in a storm, maybe their house feels like a war zone. Their house, their life feels like chaotic. And so um, we're going to go into memorizing this story. Okay. So um, just to add on, like why is it so important that we share Bible stories? Revelation 19, it says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when we speak the testimony and the stories that come from the word, you are prophesying to them. You're telling them who Jesus is through these stories. The other one is Hebrews 4, which says the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword, right? And it cuts through the joints and marrow. It discerns the spirit, the thoughts of your spirit. So sharing the word of God is going to pierce their souls. It's sharing our testimonies, great. But sharing the word of God is even better. So do both, okay? Okay, so we're going to have, um, turn to your Bibles, Mark 4, verse 35 to 41, and pair up. So maybe partner the person next to you. So this is the story about Jesus calming the storm. Okay, so find a buddy. Everyone have a buddy? Okay, Mark chapter 4. Verse 35 to 41, Jesus calms the storm. Okay, so I'm going to tell you 
how do you bring this story up? Let's say you're in a context where it's fear power. Okay, for this story, it's fear power, right? So you're talking to your friend, and your friend brings up a God need. Your friend is sharing about anxiety. Like, wow, I'm just feeling really depressed. I'm very anxious. I'm having problems sleeping. Okay, so your friend is sharing a problem. And you talk to your friend, and you say, well, how about this? I know a story. Can I share a story? There was a man called Jesus. And then you go into the story about Jesus going into the storm, and he speaks peace into the storm. And then through that story, you say, you can say, well, just like the storms in your life, just like the anxiety that you face that feels like a storm in your mind, Jesus can bring peace into your mind. He can bring, can bring peace into your heart. Okay? So think about how you want to contextualize the story as well, how you want to bring this part in about sharing Jesus. So you share the story, and then you say, yeah, because Jesus can also bring peace, just like how he calms the storm, he calms your mind, okay? So the first thing you're going to do, read through the story twice with your partner. So one at a time, read through the story. You are going to try and memorize the story word for word, okay? It's a challenge, but you can do it. Say, I can do it. Yes. Um, one little tip, guys. When you share the story, try and put yourself into the story. So as you read the story, imagine what it's like. Is it sunset when Jesus is going out into the ocean? Um, what's the mood of the crowd? Is it noisy? Are people bugging him? So think about the atmosphere. Think about the emotions of the story. Put yourself in it, and that will help you to recall the story, okay? So, yeah. Get into your pairs and read the story twice. When you're done um, reading the story, now try and retell the story with your partner, okay? But really quick, guys, if you can just listen really fast. So when you tell the story, when you're going to honor shame cultures, it's a little bit rude and they feel just stuck. If you just start telling a story, you always should ask permission. Like if you're talking to them or if you're at the mall and say, hey, I just saw you and I felt like God highlight you and I just have a story that I want to share with you that I feel might encourage you. Can I tell you this story? So, okay, like when you share with your partner, just open with that. Can I share a story with you or can I share, you, share a story that might encourage you? And at the end, there's always a follow-up. It's kind of awkward if you just end, you know, but you say like, um, do you feel like there's a storm in your life? Or, you know, do you feel like, or Jesus can stop, calm even the storms in your life. End with something to go deeper, okay? So as you're retelling the story, do those two things. Okay, so look through your Bibles and um, think of other stories that you can share when you go into the nations. So stories from different contexts. So Fear, power stories, shame, honor stories. Um, so I gave you two examples here. John 8 and Jesus and the woman caught in adultery. That's a shame, honor story. Mark 14, 3 to 9, the woman with the alabaster jar. So that's also a shame, honor story. 
So um, especially when you're going to Muslim world, but any any culture that has strong shame and honor, um, you, we in the especially in YWAM Fire and Fragrance, we can be so casual with God, and it's beautiful that He's broken off religion from our lives and set us free to enter into that intimate relationship with Jesus. Um, but Paul says, like, we become all things to all people. You know, to the Jew, he became a Jew. To the Muslims, on short-term outreaches, it's not completely, but you're meeting them where they're at. And so um, when you say so nonchalantly, like, yeah, Jesus is my best friend. You know, he told me to come here, so I came here. That to them is, like, so dishonoring of God, like, almost blasphemous, you know? So I just encourage you guys, like, yes, we've been set free. We don't have religion. But for the sake of what we're communicating, communication isn't what we're meaning to say. It's what is understood on the other side, right? So as we want to become master communicators for the sake of the gospel touching people's hearts um let's be intentional especially in muslim world as we go out to be um to over communicate our honor of god so if you say like that god spoke to you something or you know or jesus and in muslim world they know jesus is as a prophet as a very high respected prophet so you can say things like you know, instead of saying, yeah, I'm a daughter of, of the king, I'm a daughter of God, you know, be like, God, the creator, <laughs> loves us so much, then can you believe that he goes so far to call us daughters and sons? Do you see the difference? Or if you say, like, you know, yeah, um, why, why are you here? God, God spoke to me, and we're g going into some questions. God spoke to me to come here, so I'm, so I'm here, you know? Or when you say, wow, you know, the almighty God, you know, I'm exaggerating a little right now, but not by much, you know, the almighty God, like, actually um, guides us and leads us in our life, and when, you know, I desire for my life to be fully given to him, and as I was praying, like, God, where do you want me to go, what do you want me to do with my life, like, he led me to come here, and so I'm here to love, you know, do you hear the difference of just, um, walking and really carrying a reverence and a fear of the Lord as you speak and reach out, especially in shame, honor cultures. So she's going to lead us in some commonly asked questions as you go to the nations, especially if you're an outreach leader. Write some of these down. Have answers before you get to your location. And I also just want to say these questions are normal. If you're in the Middle East and someone asks, why are you here? Don't freak out. Like when I was on my first outreach in the Middle East, I'm like, oh my gosh, secret police. They're going to know we're here. They're going to know what we're doing. Um, but guys, these are normal questions. <laughs> like if they see a group of Americans, you know, in a village in northern Iraq, of course they're going to ask, how do you know each other? Why are you here? And so it's good to have answers to those questions and expect those common asked questions. So, um, all right. Tissue. Okay. okay, so some commonly <laughs> some commonly asked questions. The first question, why are you here? So write it down, think about it. Why are you here? Um, 
it depends on your, your team and what you guys want to say. So for our team, um, we said, oh, we're university students. We're here on an internship. We're here to learn about your culture. Uh, it might look different for you guys. So think about that question. Why are you here? Second question, how do you all know each other? How do you know each other? We're friends from the same university. I don't know. You can, you can think about it. Okay, third question. Are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? So this is a little tip for you guys. Are you a Christian? Fourth question, are you a missionary? Do you say, yes, I am? It depends, again, on the context that you're in. So for Muslim world, I would ask, what do you mean by a Christian? What, what do you mean, what does a Christian look like to you? And they might tell you, oh, a Christian is someone that, um, like, they, they believe that Mary got impregnate, impregnated by God, and that's blasphemous, you know? Or Christians are what we see in the movies. They sleep around. They're immoral people. And then you would say, I would never do that. I'm not, that's not me. That's not who I am. So you don't deny that you're a Christian, but, but you're answering, that's not who I am. Who am I? I believe in God. I honor God. And also, guys, in the, in the Bible, um, Jesus never came up with the name Christian. Actually, it was used when people were mocking his disciple and said they're Christians, and that means like little Christ. And um, the fastest growing churches in the world, in Afghanistan and Iran, are they called Christians? The fastest growing church? No, most of them are not called Christians. And so um, the word Christian just carries a lot of negative connotations in places that we're going. And also, right before I hand this back to Shu, um, there's, well, two things. There's always two answers to all of these questions, and it depends on the context. One is a short answer, and one is like a turn the light on answer to enter into spiritual conversation. So there might be, you know, why are you here? You could say, I'm a student from university and this is my internship, okay? But if it's a woman who you feel God highlighting, you could go in and, s and you have more time and you're not just passing on the road. You can say, well, you know what? I love God with my whole life and I know that my life is not my own but belongs to him. And I w as I was praying, like, God, what do you want me to do with my life? He led me to this university where I was studying, like, how to reach out and how to serve, you know, cross-culturally and to, um, you know, bring his love into whatever it is. And as I was praying what country to go to, I really felt him lead me here. Do you see how that would turn into a spiritual conversation. So for all these questions, there's different ways to answer. And also for Christian and missionary, sometimes in the West you feel like you're lying if you're not telling 100% of the truth, but Jesus is a Middle Eastern man <laughs> and an indirect man a lot. <laughs> and I don't know the exact number because I didn't write it down, but I wrote it down in the past and it's something like this. I think Jesus was asked like nearly 300 questions in scripture, in the Bible, and guess how many he answered directly? Three. 
three. So to some of these questions, like Shu said, are you a Christian? Well, what do you think of when you think of the word Christian? Hollywood movies. If you think that's what a Christian is, then that is not me. You know, things like that. Okay, I'm handing it back to you. Okay, so yeah, think about asking questions to their questions. That really helps. Um, are you a missionary? Again, ask questions. How do you get your money to travel? You could turn it into a testimony. Well, um, God provided for me um, money to go on my internship and this exchange program. So pray about it. Think about how do you answer these questions? And last one, do you have social media? Okay. Here's, here's what you might want to do if certain countries are a bit more closed in nature, closed context. You might want to look through some of your Instagram posts and archive those that like talk about Jesus is Lord and he's the son of God and all that. It's great, but when you're in these nations for security, you might want to archive those posts, okay? Um, even better, what I would do is... I would redirect them. So again, it's an indirect answer. I would say, oh, social media, I have WhatsApp. Do you want my number? So you don't even direct them to your Instagram, Facebook, or Snapchat. Just, I have WhatsApp. Yeah. Okay, so these are the questions. You can talk about them in your teams. Awesome. Was that helpful, guys, this first session? So really quick, as a, as a like two-minute recap, and then I'm going to hand it to, J to John Mark. What are the three um, worldview paradigms? Just scream it out. Shame, honor, fear, power, guilt, innocence. And I need one volunteer to tell me, to describe what is the gospel in the shame, honor paradigm. Just to explain it in 30 seconds. Essentially, the, the gospel of shame, honor, is that um, Jesus, he gives us a new name, and he makes us a new creation. So he actually, like, he takes away the shame and covers us with his righteousness. So good. Yeah, so good, and becoming a new creation, you know? So good. And then how about for fear power? What is the gospel to the fear power cultures? Don't all try to race up to answer this question. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. Um, in this life, we experience a lot of fear, and we oftentimes feel powerless to that, but we believe in a God who has authority over everything, including the things that we feel we have no power over, and when his spirit lives in us, we carry that same power. Yeah, and at his name, demons tremble and have to flee. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us and can live in them, you know? So, so good. Awesome. That's it from our side, John Mark. Guys, thank you. That, honestly, I just feel like you guys are going to be the smartest DTS students to ever go out and share the gospel in the nations. We didn't have this when I was a student. I just went out and I remember all these questions, getting them and be like, uh, I don't know. Looks look dumb. Uh, did um, a light bulb go off in anybody's head? This fear power gospel thing? 
this is Gen Z. Like, do you scroll on TikTok and they're looking for answers, for crystals, how to manifest their destiny? They do not have a, okay, this is, I'm probably saying this too boldly because I, I haven't done the research, but I'm going to say it boldly. They do not have a guilt, innocence context anymore. They're not being raised in homes to feel guilty about their sin, but they totally understand that the spiritual realm is real. They understand Ouija boards and all this kind of stuff. So with your friends, you might want to start trying sharing the gospel in this fear power context. It might really hit their hearts. So you're going to want to practice those things. Okay, we're going to take 10 minutes, stretch our legs, and then we're going to break up based on religions and get really in-depth teaching about how to share the gospel with them. Thank you so much for listening to the Fire Fergus podcast. For more on practicals on sharing the gospel on outreach, stay right here on the Fire Fergus podcast.